0: Hello, good morning, good Thursday morning. Welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Touchdown Wire podcast. And while we will be doing preview podcasts every week this season, we're not doing a week three preseason preview podcast because, well, we just don't feel like it and it's our podcast. So there did did the people want preview podcasts when starters aren't going to be playing? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, so this week, uh, since Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy, is uh, a quarterback guy, Doug our editor of Touchdown Wire, uh, the one-tool guy. Uh, oh, come on, Doug. Five-tool guy, too. Master of none. Uh, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. We're going to start by talking about rookie quarterbacks, the, the five first-round picks and where they are. Um, so let's start with Trey Lance. And, you know, he had the early pick. And then he had the two touchdowns against the Chargers. And I thought the touchdown to Travis Benjamin, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, where he looked the linebacker off and made this perfect timing velocity throw that no other quarterback on that roster can make. And we know who we're talking about there. So the question becomes, who's going to start week one? Garoppolo kind of smirked and said, I have a pretty good idea. So maybe it is him. I don't know. Um, Kyle Shanahan has said in the last week that he he said, Jimmy came in this year knowing the system better than he has, which is kind of terrifying in one respect. (laughs) Um, And you wonder with Shanahan, is he one of those guys? He's the best offensive play caller in the NFL. I think by a a pretty decent margin, he's got his own kind of school of guys, the the LaFleurs and whatnot, who are sort of underneath him. Is he the kind of offensive coordinator who would rather and I always refer back to Jay Gruden on this, not that Jay Gruden's in Kyle Shanahan's galaxy, right? But Gruden would rather have a guy who would adhere to his system completely and had less talent as opposed to a guy who could just make all these you know bang throws, but was a bit more of a wild card and would have more of a variance in performance. Um now he's had I mean he turned Matt Ryan into an MVP, and Matt Ryan obviously high upscale, you know, quarterback, um, we'll be, let's just say we'll be uh, talking more about Matt Ryan next week and that, which in a very good way. Um, I just wanted your thoughts on that because I don't know if Kyle Shanahan is that kind of coach. I mean, they, they, they traded a King's ransom to get Trey Lance. They knew exactly what Trey Lance was. They knew about the schematic similarities for North Dakota state to San Francisco. But do you think, kyle wants less of an edge in his system and he will sacrifice talent for that
1: i'd almost wonder if shanahan having done that a couple of stops now you know cousins in washington and then thinking he wanted to get cousins you know ryan in atlanta although obviously atlanta didn't have another option really but same kind of quarterback, then Garoppolo, and then having traded that Kings Rancher to go get Trey Lance, who was something completely different. It makes me think that Shanahan's now at the point that, look, my system is what it is. And these quarterbacks that can just run that offense have gotten me to point A. I need to get to point B. And Lance gives me the opportunity to finally have a quarterback that can unlock sections of the playbook that were previously closed, that gives us a chance to – You know, this is an exercise I always love to do. Third and 6 you you're the opposing defensive coordinator. What worries you about the quarterback you're playing against? If it's Garoppolo, you know exactly where he's going to be in the pocket. You know exactly the things he's going to try to do. If it's Lance, it's a bit more of a tougher thing to get ready for. You might have to spy him. You might have to, you know, mush rush him. You might have to do some different things. There are things that are going to keep you up at night if you're going up against Trey Lance as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I wonder if at this point in his coaching arc, if Shanahan's just like, look, I know what I've gotten Jimmy G and sure he can run the playbook and, you know, be a robot.
0: I need somebody that's not a robot. See, I don't know that Jimmy can because Jimmy hasn't, he, he still can't but, read. He still yeah. can't read MOFC. He's, he's decently mobile. I've always thought of him as kind of a, a sub Tony Romo kind of quarterback. Um, I, I think his mobility was something that appealed to Shanahan when they made that trade. But it's like we're going to talk about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton in a minute, and I, I'm going to go off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for all the right reasons. Um, I find it interesting that guys like Garoppolo and Dalton are viewed as these safe quarterbacks when they're really not. Teddy Bridgewater is a safe quarterback. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, right? And he will make occasional wow throws, and there was one throw that you and I both looked at. Yeah, Seahawks. We both at the same time went, okay. That's him. yeah, that's, that's a guy just won the gig right there. Um but I find it interesting that Garoppolo is seen as a safe quarterback when he's really not, he gets hurt a lot. He doesn't make great decisions. I don't know just because he's not able to make the 40 yard crossbody post throw. That doesn't mean you're safe. That just means right. you can't make that throw. So right. I think it's like when guys are automatically fast receivers, they can't run routes. We just have this, we have these sort of classifiable, sub designations for players because they can't do this. They are automatically this.
1: Right. I mean, I think the thing
0: is limited. doesn't mean he's safe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Garoppolo is there's at least more experience and that might make him feel safe to those of us on the outside or maybe those of them in the building, but I don't necessarily think that that's the case here because it's not like Lance doesn't know this offense. He out of any of those five rookie quarterbacks, the one that was going to be the most ready to take over in San Francisco was Trey Lance. He ran what, he ran
0: what percent of Shanahan principles at North Dakota state? Like what a rough estimate. I'd say at least 75. Yeah.
1: Like it, it was very similar. And I've mentioned it before that coach to video, people can find forty-nine ninety-nine where you could just see them running boot flood, tight end in the flat fullback in the flat, all that stuff with Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And it's, a big chunk of what Shanahan's asking his quarterbacks to do. I mean, out of all the, out of all five, he was probably the most ready. And then maybe followed by Zach Wilson, because there are some similar similarities, um, similar similarities, but yeah, I mean, Lance was ready to step into the system.
0: I think he is. I think if it were me, I would go with Lance week one. I would never look back because, and it's going to, it won't take long before Garoppolo hits his head on the same ceilings. He's always hit his head on and Kyle's like, Oh God, we're down 30 and I've got problems. Um, <clears throat> he did say that there's been a lot talk said about Lance's sort of, he's got, you know, the, the, the thing is he's got one speed. I don't agree with that, but Shani had had something interesting to say about these. said sometimes Trey is late on reads. He, he's still kind of trying to discern what's out there defensively. And because he's late, he then feels he has to throw 95 miles an hour to get it there. And I can see that. and. It does align with, you know, the the wide open throws to Trent Shurfield. He's had a couple of them. Those are touch throws. And he'll sort of, you know, angle it back. And the tight window stuff, he's going to use his velocity. But I thought it was an interesting point from Shanahan. Like, well, part of the reason he's doing this, he's not Colin Kaepernick, where, I mean, I still think Kaepernick should be in the league. But one of his problems was everything was a 95 mile an fastball. Yeah, I
1: mean there are parallels. Lance,
0: it's it, I find it interesting that Shanahan pointed that it out. It's, it's kind of a it's a a reading and timing issue as opposed to he just thinks he has to throw everything this this hard.
1: Velocity, upper tier lead velocity for a young quarterback is a double edged sword because it could bail you out of problems, but it could also create problems that you've already. it can exacerbate problems that you've created with your mind. Because you think you have an extra half step or so to make reads and decisions, but that you can feel that you can sort of get yourself out of that hard situation just by dialing up a fastball. And the parallels between Trey Lance and Josh Allen are myriad and with good reason. And I remember Allen's rookie season. He would have trouble reading situations at times that he would think his fastball could get him out of it. You look at Lance's interception against the chargers for whatever reason, he's got corner from two dig from one, the digs open and he double clutches it. And then he's like, now I'm late. Now I have to yeet this thing in there, and the mechanics are off because he double-clutched, he stepped, he's now throwing from a wide base, he's loaded up forward, and now the ball is by his hip when he has to then reset and throw. So he had, thinks it. has to jam it in there at 99 miles an hour, and it's high. It's still a catchable ball, but it's high, and it's intercepted as a result. That velocity is a good thing at times, but it's a bad thing at times. And if it becomes a crutch that prevents him from getting his mind to where it needs to be, that could be a problem. But, yeah, I can understand exactly what
0: Shanahan's talking about there. Based on – because, I mean, we're not pooping on North Dakota State here. His, his most – the the defense that gave him the most trouble in college was Central Arkansas, and now you're in the NFL. I mean, yeah. it, it, do you see that when you watch him now? I mean, I, I really don't. I don't – I don't look at him, oh, my God, he's just completely overwhelmed in over his no, head. No, 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 absolutely what not. He's I see a guy who makes mistakes, and what you want to see is, can he recover from them? And that's right. what he does. And that's why his game he sort of against himself.
1: the Chargers was impressive to me, because he had the early interception. And then you see him sort of come back and learn from that the two touchdown passes later, the manipulation of underneath defenders, whether it was the touch, the second touchdown, or even the first touchdown when it's low red zone, it's a zone coverage and he's moving 31, who had a rough night uh, with his eyes. Um, that's the bounce back you want to see. It's similar to, I know we're going to talk about Justin Fields and everybody talks about the protections and him getting ear hold by 59. Later in the game, slot quarter blitz, he replaces it immediately with a slant. He's learning too. So that's what you want to see from these young quarterbacks. You're going to make mistakes. Playing quarterback isn't easy. If it was, everybody would do it. Can you learn from the mistakes and apply those lessons later in a drive, later in a game, later in a season? I've seen it from Lance. I've seen it from Fields.
0: That's good signs. I know talking – I got to watch tape with Joe Montana a few months ago, which, you know, still – Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, and he's talked about this before, the confidence he had because he knew that something was going to be open because Bill Walsh is designing your playbook. Yeah. I, I think over time, Lance is going to have that same confidence. Like, you know, I got the best mathematician in the game. Someone's going yeah. to be open. Yeah, I just, exactly. You have to throw it, wait for it, you know, throw it where it's going to be. Um, I think that helps a lot. So let's talk about Justin Fields. Okay, uh, Kyle Brant. good morning, football. Yep. Uh, I, I could not possibly agree with this more. I'm just going to play some of it. Um, this is Kyle on good morning, football, this morning. And just uh, bravo.
1: I'd like speak? to see a handoff to
0: David Montgomery, a handoff. And then on the next play, I'd like to see a play action and a throw to Allen Robinson. I'd like a fade down the left side. And I'd like to do it behind Cody White here and James Daniels, their starting guards, but I'm not going to see it because Justin Fields is not allowed to play with the Bears starters, has not been? Tell me what's wrong with this picture. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, first-team offense. Justin Fields, no. No first-team offense whatsoever. Zach Wilson, first-team offense. Mac Jones, first-team offense. Trey Lance, first-team offense. Justin Fields, not allowed. No snaps, no time out there with the first-teamers. He's throwing to guys who are going to be real estate agents this fall. And why? Why? Because he's behind Brett Favre or Alex
1: Smith? or even Jimmy Garoppolo, no. He's not allowed to play with the first team because heaven forbid anyone rock the boat that's captained by Andy Dalton?
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's how I'm going to mention Andy Dalton? I'm just going to say his name from now on. I I think Fields' performance, it's an important thing that that Kyle said. His performance has to be seen in that context, that he is the only one of these first-rounders who is not allowed Think about that. Not allowed yeah. to play with the first teamers. I mean, I'm, it's,
1: it's mind boggling. And, and here's the other thing. As I said on Twitter, at.
0: I can't wait to see what Brian Dayball does with that uh, field, yeah,
1: field. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, even if you were going into the season with Andy Dalton as your week one starter, which is a separate discussion, which I think we both, which I think,
0: I think that was sewn up no matter what. Yeah. Because Nagy's trying to save his. What job. happens
1: if on the first drive of week one, Andy Dalton tweaks his knee? Then what happens? Justin Fields has to come in, right? And play with the ones. How prepared is he going to be in that moment if he hasn't had time to get on the same page with Allen Robinson, to sort out protections with Cody Whitehair, to get on the the same page?
0: Yeah, just to interrupt, the protections are incredibly important because when you have protections for a quarterback who runs the way Fields does, I mean, Dalton's somewhat mobile, Trubisky is somewhat... You've never had a quarterback like this before. Right. He's, he's Cam Newton. He's yeah. you know, he's Colin Kaepernick. He's that level of mobility to um, Kaepernick mentioned. good luck in the comments this week. <laughs> um, you have never protected. The protections are completely different for quarterbacks like that.
1: Right. So, right. Russell Wilson, right? Which, which would one of the bugaboo? Oh my in Seattle. God. Yeah. Like knowing where Wilson's going to be on a give it snap. And so for these guys up front, they have to get familiar with, okay, we're blocking this protection. We got a four man slide or a three man slide or whatever. We got to know what fields is going to be in those moments. You, if, if he's going to be your backup in week one, you got to get him ready in case that happens.
0: And you're Alan Robinson, you're Darnell Mooney, you're whoever. Yeah. You have never done these scramble rules before. Right. How do I break? Right. We were talking to Doug Baldwin about this years ago and the work that he and Russ put in in Seattle to make sure and align, okay, my guy just broke off. I now run this route. It, it's so and, – and Dougie was a master at it, and that's why, because you put in the work. So, yeah, Dalton, you know, tweaks his knee or throws four picks. I, I I think if Dalton threw four picks, it wouldn't matter. They'd keep him in there. Right. Um, And,
1: and that's just – from the backup standpoint, that's just from the get your team ready top to bottom to go. And I know there's that old saw about, you know, the Ted Macho brought a quote about man, and if we don't practice bleeped, you know, if 18 goes down, we're bleeped, we don't practice bleeped. I, I kind of disagree with that. Like you have to at least get your backup ready, you know, and they have spent some ten familiarity. million on Dalton.
0: They spent 10 million on Dalton and drafted fields in the first round to avoid bleeped. Yeah. Bleeped is out the window. Bleeped is not an excuse.
1: Well, now they're setting themselves up for bleeped. Yeah. And, I, and I, I don't understand it at all. And the other thing is this. If you really want to get a fair valuation of your rookie quarterback, you get them with the ones. Like, how is it a fair evaluation process of Justin Fields to understand where he is and what he needs to develop if he's throwing to guys that are going to be backups, the guys that are going to be special teamers, and he's throwing against guys that are going to be backups and special teamers, and he's being blocked by guys that are backup and special
0: teamers, I don't understand how that's a fair evaluation process. I don't get it at all. It's one of two things. Either we don't want to get him killed behind this offensive line. Well, then put the freaking starters in. Or this is Nagy tying his boat to Dalton and ginning it up. And I'm not going to say it's sabotage. I'm not going to go that far, but he has a a decided interest in making Dalton look as good as possible to forward his own sort of internal dialogue saying that Andy Dalton's a guy who's not going to get me fired. I'm worried that Justin Fields is going to get me fired because again, the variance. Kyle Shanahan has no such issues. Kyle Shanahan is going to coach As long as he wants to be their head coach, he's going to be their head coach. Yep. Um, Matt Nagy, no. He's, he's got issues. Ryan Pace, they got issues. So I could easily see them You know, we know what we have with Andy. We know what he is. We know what he isn't. We can manage this.
1: The idea that you need to see Andy in the regular season to understand what you have in him. Who was it? Was it Mitchell Schwartz who came out and said, if you don't know through two preseason games and, you know, three weeks of training camp and all this time, what you have in Andy Dalton, then what are you doing
0: out here? You started what? 11 games for the Cowboys last year? I think so. Uh, Let me see here. No, because I think it was
1: actually less of that because he had the... He started, he, gets he
0: started nine games. Yeah. Um, you know, did what he does. He... Yeah. 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions, completed 65% of his passes. Reasonably efficient, completely unimpressive. And Dalton's another guy who, you know, people see him as a safe quarterback. I swear to God, it, A.J. Green had to be like Gumby with the catch radius for years. Um, so again, the, the average quarterback is not, who's a safe quarterback. I don't understand what, what they're doing in Chicago. And when, when Kyle Brandt brought up the fact that he's not allowed, it's not like we're, we're varying this, we're varying that he's not allowed to play with the ones. What kind of bullshit is that? It's,
1: it's. It- it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. It's just not smart. And I'm again, just approaching it from a, what happens if your starter goes down and he has no time to get on the same page with the receivers. Like look at Joe Flacco to Defonta Smith, right? Thursday night, they had a slot of slot fade down the right sideline and they weren't on the same page. You got to like prep for that situation because that's what will happen if Dalton goes down and now you've got Justin Fields trying to hit Allen Robinson on that route. They're not going to be on the same page. You'll have missed opportunities. It's just, it, it's mind boggling to be even just from that standpoint, let alone the fact that Justin Fields, I think is ready to start,
0: but yeah. I remember Bill Lee, the old Red Sox pitcher, uh, wrote in his autobiography the wrong stuff about Mike Cuellar, the old Orioles pitcher, and said, You ever tried to hit an empty beer can for distance? That's how Cuellar pitched. That's how Flacco throws now. Yeah. That was, yeah. I was actually impressed with Devontae Smith that he was able to, like, you know, not kill his quarterback. Right. So, yeah, Fields. I, and it, I mean, it happens in football. It happens. The thing that you're, the, the thing you do because you don't want to get fired is precise. You, you get you fired. Just exactly. like being afraid to be on the field because you don't want to get hurt. Well, what's the first thing that's going to happen? You're going to get hurt. Prophecy. Yeah. yeah. I, know. I. This is. You know. I don't think they're going to ruin fields, but I think it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um. Tell me if you disagree with me. One guy who is on the precipice. I don't want to say he's going to be ruined, but what what's happening? with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. And I get, yes, it's the preseason. Yes. They're not game planning. They're not situational football. They're not scheming. Well, a lot of teams are, um, watch the dolphins against the Falcons (laughs) last week. (laughs) And Dean Pease is blitzing from everywhere. And the dolphins are doing all this eye candy with like four guys in motion. Don't tell me that no one's game planning because especially this season, this preseason they are. Um, and I I have more than a passing history with Brian Schottenheimer's play designs. And when you see the deep long breaking ISO crossers that really don't help your quarterback, uh, I'm sorry, but that's, that's it. That's, that's yeah. what it is. Um, and I was our, you know, illicit all 22 sources. I, I was watching, the overhead of Lawrence on every throw for the last two weeks. And I actually did this on my vacation, which, you know, that's how weird I am. When he hits his back foot, there really isn't much open. I'm not going to say that there isn't anything open. Once in a while, they'll have an in-cut, you know, on levels or cross or whatever, you know, they'll have a hot adjustment occasionally. But I would say 80% of the time when Trevor Lawrence hits his back foot, he has no one open. He has to anticipate everything, and the one throw he made that was just nails was the the left side boot, where he just okay, that's his arm, that's his timing. That that's what makes it special. But you tell me your thoughts. This is like Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers, where you're not only not helping your quarterback, it's like you're you're. And it's not like Brian Schottenheimer saying, how can I screw with Trevor Lawrence's career? But I do think that there is a real lack of understanding of what made Lawrence effective in college. And it's one of those really bad examples where I'm going to just stick this guy. I'm going to Velcro him into my scheme, and I really don't care what he does well. And that never ends. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, what's what's concerning, Doug, is that, you know, when I watched Lawrence in college, I felt like he was schematically diverse, generally speaking, but Clemson's offense didn't do a ton to help him. You know, it was a lot of ISO throws. It was a lot of screens and bubbles and things like that. Now they're not doing anything to help him. You know, they're not doing anything to help him at all. And I, I know there's context. Guys were out starters up front were out and things like that but if this is what this offense is going to look like when games start for real that there might be a problem and And
0: by the way i don't want to hear that his offensive line stinks and his offensive line stinks it it, it's even more on you as the passing game coordinator to get him easy looks on three step and throw yeah because there's going to be a crap load of three step and throw in the offense if you want him to survive
1: yeah, I mean it's the Cincinnati Bengals situation from last year. They couldn't protect Burrow, so everything was empty. Very much so. three step, one step, get it out, one skip, whatever. With with Lawrence, like it, it, it's part of what seems to be a growing problem in Jacksonville. And we all woke up on Thursday morning to stories about how players are now unhappy. Pre Prisco talking about, you know, people are unhappy with Urban Meyer. This seems to be a
0: situation that is. Turned it bad fast. Yeah, Pete's super connected in Jacksonville. He used to be a big yeah. guy there. So when you know when, when someone, yeah. Eh. Uh when Pete does it, I go, ooh, okay. And you know, the strength coach thing and the uh, yeah, it's <clears throat> I don't know. That that's an ugly situation. Let's get a little more positive. Zach Wilson, who by the way, I thought would be the best fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Well, guess what? He's in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah. Michael Flores running it. Uh, My notes, decisive, showing movement skills in the pocket, which we knew he had at BYU. Confident. Lafleur is making it easy for him. That's not a sin, folks. You can be an offensive coordinator and make it easy for your quarterback. It's okay. It really is. You can actually play to his strengths. Helps you have a receiver in Corey Davis who can shake and bake. Uh, did you see that movie put on Eric Stokes oh. on the corner post? Holy crap. Yeah. and stokes is a rookie he's he'll learn he's a good player but good lord that was just ugly uh things looking pretty good there i like he looks very comfortable in the timing and rhythm of that passing game it's just like you put a guy in and you say okay these are your concepts these are your timings here's what you're going to see when you hit your back foot you know when your back foot hits the ground and you're ready to zing it here's what you're going to see this guy's doing this this he i think wilson has the confidence in the open receiver and the favorable concept and i'm going to run boot a lot and it'll be interesting in season when we can look at the sis database and of course you now have the sis database because you're a rock star um you know what those what those boot Stats are because I think it was either Goff or Cousins who led the NFL in boot last year. I I bet Wilson's gonna be top three. But this is this is a situation where it's the inverse of Lawrence. It's like we're doing everything possible to forward and NFLize the things that make our quarterback good. We're maximizing his attributes, we're minimizing his liabilities. And Wilson is a guy, he said, you know, I'm I'm gonna make mistakes because I'm trying to see what I can do, I'm trying to see how far I can push it. And this week you said there are no explosive plays without potential mistakes. And I'm thinking, okay, philosopher King, let's see what you got. It, but, it, it so does it, seem. I like it.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I wasn't as high on, on Wilson as perhaps consensus, but I look at the skeeb fit and you look at the jump he made from, you know, his sophomore to his junior year at BYU, it was influenced a lot by this type of offense. So yes. the skeeb fit made a ton of sense, which is Very why he scary. thought he'd also work at Shanahan system, which made, made a ton of sense at the time too. What I love about him is the comfort level you can see. You know, yes. when you can see, like you mentioned, you talked about um the back foot, the timing of the back foot, and being confident when you hit that back foot of where you need to go with the football and what's open and what isn't and where your eyes should be, the footwork and the eyes connected. You know, so
0: jump back to Lawrence. You talked about the feet and the eyes. Lawrence is doing a lot of he's hitting his back foot and it's like, oh shit, what now? Yeah. If if, that's on Schottenheimer, that's on Bevel, that's not on Lawrence. Yeah. He he can't, he can't fabricate open receivers unless he just calls checks at the line and, and, you know, commits anarchy and tells his coaches to F off. He can't manufacture that.
1: Yeah. But with Wilson, you know, I think the, one of the throws that stuck out to me was the one week one against the giants where you had double post and they spun it to a robber. Look, they took away the inside post and he brings his eyes to the outside in rhythm to do that. Like have there been some isolated moments and some one-on-ones where he knew pre-snap where to go and kind of predetermined it? Yeah, but that's a good thing too. Like if you have that opportunity to do that, like this idea that, Oh, he's just a one read guy. Well, if the oh. reads are smart because of what he's seeing pre-snap, That's a good thing, kids. And so that throw against the Giants impressed me. You know, the touchdown, the first touchdown to Croft, it was a similar thing where he's freezing a safety in the middle of the field. A little bit of an anticipation throw. Once he clears the underneath defenders, he knew it was his own coverage look. Kind of got matchy to principles as the play unfolded. But he's confident when he hits that back foot. That's the difference right now between him and Lawrence. He's confident and decisive when he gets there. Lawrence isn't. And you're seeing that play out. And, you know I'm really excited about the future of the Jets they might still be a six seven eight win team maybe
0: that's gonna be a tough division but I'm really excited about the future well losing Carl Lawson for the season is brutal because yeah that, I mean they there you know, in Salah's defense he was gonna go off yeah I that mean sucks. injuries really sort of hurt them right now but yeah. um and the thing about being a one read guy I mean even <laughs> you really are never going to know unless a coach or quarterback honestly tells you, yes, this was my first read. And yes, I'd go on my first read 65% of the time. If you're watching the helmet, that doesn't really always tell you what you need to know. Right. Because news newsflash quarterbacks are trying to fool you with their high eye movement and their head movement. So it's just as likely that you're going to get fooled watching that. Yeah. Thinking he's a one, uh, everyone's saying Justin Reed, uh, Justin Fields is a one read guy. Like, um, well, and, well uh,
1: whatever no. people say, like, oh, he's Second just a one read.
0: No, third of all, no. So when I hear one read guy, unless it's from the coach or the quarterback himself, I don't really even know what to do with that. Yeah, and and lo- reads can happen unless unless it's an rpo like what you know if it's rpo you know rpo every other play well yeah that's one read unless you have second and third read rpos which have been developed in the last few years so even then you don't know yeah and and
1: the other thing is you know on pure passing plays like oh he's just a one read guy reads can happen and get ruled in or out before the ball is snapped like if you've got motion and you know oh now it's man coverage and this is my man beater like you've ruled out other stuff
0: and really, I mean, how many times do you think Aaron Rodgers had to go to his third read last year? Not a ton. Probably how many times do you think he had to go to his second read? I mean, more than three, but still not a ton. I... Not, not half the time. Yeah, I would say. And Rogers is the most physically gifted thrower of the football I've ever seen in my life. and he's certainly one of the smartest quarterbacks who's ever existed. He can go to his 12th read if he wants to, but yeah. you know, the idea in today's NFL is quick game, get the ball out quickly. You don't have time no. to make four reads. No, so that isn't the thing it used to, I'm going off on a tangent here, but the whole one read thing, that isn't what it used to be as a negative. And I think as college schemes have morphed into the NFL, the smarter coaches are saying, okay, we're actually going to make you more of a one read guy. I, th- I would posit that. Dable's success with josh allen last year was a lot of that your first read against man is this your first read against zone is this okay zone is making your head explode let's simplify not dumb it down but simplify get you back to the point where you're comfortable and then build it back up don't just insist that you have to be a third read guy when you're not and we're just going to let you get your ass kicked until you are that's not good coaching Absolutely not. Quincy Avery, who
1: obviously knows a ton about quarterbacks, a comfortable quarterback is a good quarterback. Yeah, And if we're going to be in a, in a world where we want these rookie quarterbacks playing on their rookie deals because of the competitive advantage that cost-controlled player is, yep. then you better run some stuff that they're familiar with. Otherwise, you're going to have an indecisive, uncomfortable quarterback when he hits his back foot. Stares in the direction of Trevor Lawrence.
0: Never forget talking to Ron Rivera at the, what was it? It was a combine after Cam Newton's rookie year. And I remember him saying, you know, we took everything he liked at Auburn and meshed it with our offense and pulled out the stuff in our offense. He didn't like. Yeah. So from, from jump, it was, what can we do to make our quarterback comfortable again? Not a sin. Actually, works most of the time. Uh, Mac Jones, these are my notes, You're Patriots guy. So I'm going to defer to you on this, but he looks pretty good in structured situations though. The intermediate and deep balls were a bit off at times. It was kind of a timing thing. Uh, uh just a, a placement issue. And I still don't know what he's going to do because the Eagles have played like high school coverage all preseason. I don't know what he's going to do. He's pressured against top level coverage, third and nine. And he has to improvise. And maybe I just need to see it before I believe it. But the concerns I had about Mac Jones coming into this season, second level throw, we've discussed it ad nauseum. I I think he's played well enough, but I haven't seen the things I would like to see to have me convinced that, oh yeah, he's the guy and he's the guy right now. I'd probably still start Cam.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would still, I think two things can be true. Mac Jones is ahead of where people, myself included, thought he would be right now. I think he's looked better. He's been decisive. He's had some moments where he's needed to move around a bit. He's had some moments where he had to dial up velocity. A lot of Patriots fans. And there are two distinct pro-Mac, pro-Cam camps amongst Patriots fans right now. I hear it all the time. I see it all the time. The pro-Mac people point to a throw where he had to climb the pocket and drill it in between two defenders. And it looked like a upper-tier velocity kind of throw. But at the same time, I would still start camp. Because Thursday night, you know, and again, the Eagles were playing some backups when they started that game. Cam looked as comfortable and as confident and as fluid in the pocket as he has during his entire time in New
0: England. He was quick. Yeah. I remember uh, after the Hall of Fame game on our pod, when I was talking about Dwayne Haskins, I said, everything looks slow. Yeah. Cam looked as quick as I've ever seen him. Exactly. Everything For was the, just bang, bang, bang. No wasted movement. No wasted steps. It was like I've got this.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah,
0: I, I, now I understand.
1: You could can can almost see, you can
0: see, see the understanding yeah, on tape.
1: Exactly. And so, if you would have asked me like Friday morning, like who's your Week One starter, New England? I was, but it's a Max been great. Like he's looked awesome, and I think New England generally feels better about their quarterback position now than they did, you know, back in May. But it's camp. The COVID uh, wrinkle. And is we've got to talk
0: about, you know, you don't go off to uh Billy Bob's it, COVID place. It's a
1: it's a weird situation. You know, Belichick met the media today. He said the statement is what it is. There was no misunderstanding, but there was a misunderstanding. Apparently, I don't understand at all. Um, but he gave Mac an opportunity yesterday, you know, in the first day of joint practices to run with the one some more. Apparently, Mac looked great. Oh, yeah, my time, my, by all my,
0: accounts, he just ripped it up.
1: My timeline today is, again, Mac looks great. Um, he opened the door, Cam did a little bit. I still think Cam starts week one, but my mindset now in the Patriots quarterback situation is how long does Mac or does Cam keep that job?
0: One thing I'd like to see from the Patriots, uh, just to go off on a, another tangent, with Ramondre Stevenson, God, looks like the second coming of Derrick Henry right now. Can we make that QB run game a little more interesting this year, please? I'm hoping. I'm hoping what I really want to
1: see, and, and this is something that now I th- I was talking about prior to the Sony Michelle trade. Now I think it's more of a possibility. A two running back package with Stevenson and white, because yes. that fascinates me because Stevenson for
0: his size has good feet. You're good. He's not yeah. like you blunt. Yeah. I, w- I compared him to Steven Davis. You have to go back. Yeah. There's some stuff. Yeah. On We have all 22 of Steven Davis. The no 22 on YouTube will suffice. Right. Uh, But you
1: could go empty with that package. You could go two back with that package. You could go one back with that package. You could do a lot of different things. And, And, you know, we know the Patriots. We know Josh McDaniels over the years. They have found different ways to do different things with two running back packages, with pony personnel. We all expected, you know, 12 to be their number, right? The two tight ends. Deontay Lee, brilliant mind over pro football focus. He had a piece about... I screwed it up. I don't know if 21 is the new 12 or 12 is the new 21 or whatever. Two running backs might be their second go-to package this year after that 12 personnel package.
0: Yeah. Well, McVeigh is turning 12 in a new 11, so why not? Yeah. Yeah. Are you advocating for the return of the pro set? I always picture like Dan offset Reeves, I four base. look like you Dan know Dan Reeves and Dwayne Thomas. I was right? I, I still remember. And I know, 40, I know the I know the forty six killed the pro set, but you know, bring it back. It was this was it. Weak faces, weak weak
1: left or strong right. That those were our signals. Yep. Wesley, in nineteen ninety six, baby.
0: Woohoo! Go team. So yeah, Mac Jones. I don't know. Uh, so I sent you a list of, and this will probably be a listicle at some point great teams with bad quarterback situations came with six teams. And I said, what do you think of this list? And he said, you know, you said that's pretty much it. So let's start with the new Orleans saints loaded everywhere else. Um, Hill, I thought showed some things in week one of the preseason. And then he showed some other things and I go, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's still, (laughs) it's still Tebow ish. Um, is there any question that Jameis – the, the throws to Marquez Callaway? Well, the catch by – the, the long – Yeah, it, the, the post, the, the post yeah. He's advocating for pass interference at the same time he's falling down and somehow making that catch. And then Shaquille Griffin is an above-average cornerback. He put Griffin in the freaking spin. Griffin couldn't keep up with him. And Callaway is not known as a burner, but that guy – I mean, and they've been talking about him all preseason. Now you can see why. Is there any question to you that Jameis has this thing sewn up? And I think he has it sewn up for, you know, not in perpetuity, but through this season. And then the Saints can kind of reset and go, okay, now we're really dealing with post breeze. Let's find the new guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think Jameis looked really good against Jacksonville. He looked comfortable, decisive. The issue with Jameis is when he's not comfortable, which is why that second touchdown, the like zero blitz drift and fade, um, it was nice to see because he had to do it sort of under pressure. So yeah, I think he's got that job. Probably we're still gonna see Taysom Hill because Sean Payton with the broccoli into our mouths, like, no, you're gonna have some Taysom Hill, please. You're still gonna eat it. Um, but yeah, maybe I, next I year I'd rather
0: sit at the table for nine hours and eat that broccoli, but yeah,
1: but that's that is what it is. Next year, you know, maybe they're looking at it and they say, you know. Desmond Riddler, Phil Djokovic, like maybe, you know, they dip into the quarterback market, quarterback draft cycle, next cycle, but I think it's Jameis this year and they're going to see how it goes.
0: Or Jameis, cause everyone talks about the Lasik, but we have to remember Jameis was, he's had a year in the Sean Payton quarterback incubation factory. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he, he is the guy. Maybe it's 30 touchdowns and 15 picks. And yeah. We, I mean, oh, I, 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 I think
1: some people I know, I think you talked about it on the timeline. I think Nate Tice talked about it on the timeline. You know, maybe the idea that Jameis and Bruce Aarons were a good fit wasn't quite right. You know, because. Oh, no, no, no. It, it was not.
0: You never you never give a Yolo guy that much vert. Yeah. Yeah. That, especially a young Yolo guy. You don't give Ryan Fitzpatrick that much vert. You just yeah. don't. Yeah. And, and
1: maybe the fit with Peyton. Is just a better
0: fit for Javis
1: because you're going to have those shot plays like that post over touchdown to Callaway, but you're also going to have some other stuff that's more schemed open that he could be a comfortable and decisive run in rather than, look, I guess you're going to make something happen with my army.
0: Well, I'll say this and did a tape piece on Taysom Hill quarterback um, last week, and this is not breaking news. Sean Payton is utterly brilliant at getting people open. Yeah. Especially zone busters, he would just come back your ass to death. Here's the curl. Here's the comeback. Here's the option slant, and it's just you know wherever you getting back to that level of comfort we talked about with Shanahan and Zach Wilson. You know your guy's going to be open because your your route designer is brilliant. Yep. I, I think Trevor Lawrence would give half of his first year salary for that right now because he does. Oh, absolutely. Um, which is a you know considerable number. It is. Uh, so the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Lock. I do not disagree with this at all. And the funny thing is when we talk about um, an Andy Dalton or a Jimmy Garoppolo as a safe quarterback, everyone looks at Bridgewater as this certain, like enormous downgrade. Well, downgrade over what? The Broncos have thrown like eight different quarterbacks against the wall since Peyton Manning retired and none of them have stuck. And they've all kind of splattered against the wall. Um, so describe the. I was watching it at Lake Chalan on vacation, and I don't know where you were watching it, but the fourth and five throw it was vacation, Titty Judy on the crosser. And you and I independently of each other went that throw is going to make Teddy Bridgewater the starter. So going because you, you, we both wrote about it yesterday, yeah. And you know, it was a Mills
1: ish design where you had KJ Hamler inside slot receiver run in the post, Judy outside on the dig on a fourth and five situation, cover one. Deep safety stays deep. Bridgewater knows he has man coverage. Pocket starts to collapse around him. Eyes up, eyes downfield. Doesn't drop the eyes. Calmly climbs the pocket and just rips a pretty good velocity throw on the in-cut, on time, in rhythm still, even being pressured. And I thought, you know, two things stood out. One, it was just the fact that Bridgewater was able to make that, read that throw with the collapse in pocket. But two... It showed you the potential of this offense because, you know, what's the theme we're discussing here? It's good rosters with bad quarterback situations or with iffy quarterback situations. Debra can run out an 11 personnel group of Hamler, Judy, Corton, Sutton, Noah Fant, Williams and Gordon at the
0: running back spot and approved offensive line up front. That's a pretty good group. You have a rookie running back who I'll say it again. Javante Williams is an unholy combination of Marshawn Lynch and Nick Chubb. Yeah. And he's already blocking his ass off. He's going to be on the field a lot. And if you've got eleven personnel, I mean, your linebackers are just not liking life at all. The two things that impressed me about that throw, he didn't make the. And this is kind of Teddy's career in a nutshell. He didn't make the hero throw to Hamler over the top. He yeah. wasn't saying, "Let's see how how cute I can get with the with the overhang safety." It's like. I got Judy underneath. I got 35 yards. That's all I need. Well, and part of it was, and, and this is, I think,
1: what highlights what this offense could be. That safety was like 50 yards deep by the yeah. time. He but you re- know, for damn this.
0: sure, if that's Drew Lock, Drew Locke is, is testing the safety because Drew Locke, yeah. that's who he is. Yeah. And, that you know, there are elements of that that are cool. There are also elements of that that are going to get you well um, benched. So, yeah. there you go. but if
1: you're if you're moon if you're that free safety put yourself into his cleats right now you've got hamler on the slot running the vertical right at you y- it, with his speed you've got to stay deep yeah you Even take jerry
0: can't take the under because it's a touchdown
1: yeah you- I, I, that's the potential of this offense and especially so,
0: when you're playing cover one yeah and so it's, it's single high man you yeah. can't go underneath you can't yeah. And, and, and your only and, hope is to replace to somehow, and you're not going to do it on a, you know, a, yeah, you're not going to cut called out. You're right? not going to replace, you know, have the rat replaced that that's it, just not going to work.
1: Um, and so, you know, that gets the potential of this offense. And also look people Broncos, Twitter has been tearing itself apart the past 24 hours, but people have posted the like shot by shot graphs of both quarterbacks Bridgewater and lock last year, completion percentage to every area of the field. And for most part, Bridgewater's completion percentage was better even on throws downfield. For yep. so for all the idea that, like, Bridgewater's just, like, check down Charlie, he'll pick his spots, but he's been effective when he attacks downfield. And in this offense, with these weapons, like, you can check the ball down to Sutton on a crosser or Hamler on a pivot route or Judy on a shallow
0: and probably be pretty successful. I like the touchdown pass to Hamler because uh, Ugo Amadi was blitzing. and I'm sure watching Seahawks tape, Teddy knew that they were not going to replace the blitzing safety. And it's why the Seahawks get killed when Jamal Adams blitzes and Jamal Adams doesn't get there. Uh that I think they give him a pass rating of like 326. It's not good. Um, yeah. but I think with Bridgewater, he's at the point of a career, he's under no illusions about what he is and what he isn't. And he's perfectly right. happy. You know, I'm not, I don't have Aaron Rodgers R talent. I'm not running around like Lamar Jackson that that's fine I'm perfectly happy to play within a system and be a point guard distributor whatever you want to call it um you can still be a shot caller in this league and the thing about Bridgewater is as I wrote yesterday in the tape piece sort of analyzing this decision to make him the starter it's really nice to have a quarterback who can do unusual things with his arm it is necessary to have a quarterback who can play within the structure of your offense. Yeah. And right now drew Locke, for all his physical gifts. And for all, I mean, he's including the preseason and last season, nine touchdowns, no interceptions on play action. What does that tell you? It means that it, unless he has a displaced defender, he's kind of lost. And so you're going to run play action all the time. Well, I guess you could, but and it's not like lock It's like the light will never go on, but it may be kind of a Jameis thing where it's going to take a while, and it's going to take more than one team and the right system to get it done. I don't disagree with this decision at all. I think when you've got, and let's go to the whole, you know, they should have taken Justin Fields. Vic Fangio runs a very specific type of defense, and it's usually one corner. I mean, it's a lot of quarters. It's, you know, some a lot of the stuff Brandon Staley does. he got from Vic Fangio. We know this. He likes to run his outside corners, one posting up and one off. We've got Kyle Kyle Fuller, who we had in Chicago, one of the best off zone and man, because you can play off man. He's that guy. He can play 10 yards off and get it done. On the other side, Vic wants a guy who will get in your face and just bust everything up. That's usually going to be to the hot side because you want to disrupt that quick game receiver. Well, that's Sertan all day. So. I think Vic is looking at his defense and they just got in Bridgewater right before the draft. I think like, well, this is the guy I need to perfect my whole coverage. That's as important to me as getting, you know, the quarterback with upside. I already have a quarterback with upside and I don't want to do with him. So let's get the, you know, the veteran. Um, That's not to say that taking Sertan over fields, maybe down the road, that's a mistake. Maybe Sertan is a defensive player of the year and the Broncos have a top three defense and maybe it's not, but I think there's more nuance to that decision than just, we don't believe in Justin Fields. I think it's more, I need this type of cornerback to play the defense. I want to play. And I'm Vic Fangio, and that's the way it's going to be. And I don't have a problem with that.
1: Yeah. I I think that's well said. I think
0: that's exactly right. Uh, Patriots. We've kind of discussed my notes where I just don't know. I don't know with Mac Jones. I mean, I he was he he did some impressive things but he was incredibly schemed up at Alabama. He's incredibly schemed up in the preseason. I kind of need to see as I said, third and nine against a really good like man coverage defense. With pressure, you've got a tight window and you're going to have to run you're going to have to roll, you know. Yeah. Now you're out of the pocket. Well, what do you do? Can you do that? We'll see. Yeah. Um Great teams, bad quarterback situations. I'm kind of putting the Steelers in there because I don't know what to make of Ben. Um, I think the his, his deep throw was, I was talking to Neil Kulong, our, our fearless managing editor about this yesterday, and Neil's all about the Steelers. And the whole idea that Ben sort of underthrew that ball and Neil said, well, if you look at the timing of it, he actually took a bit off so that it would be easier to catch. I'm like, okay, I could see that. Um, I think Ben looked good. He had an intermediate thing to Ebron where he made the mistake of hitting Ebron between the eight and the five. Never want to do that. Yeah. You know, you know what's going to happen. Haskins. I don't know. Um, but if anything happens to Ben or all of a sudden they're running, you know, 503 step drops because Ben's deep ball isn't there anymore. <sighs> You know, the Steelers have a lot of the other things to make themselves good. But what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I
1: just I'm flashing back to a conversation we had in the middle of last season. Is it time
0: to worry about Ben? Is it time to worry about Ben?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, because they started out great and Ben looked great. And I was doing a lot of stuff on the three by one and throwing the ISOs when he read them. But then you saw the velocity start to fall off a bit. And do we worry about him? that became the theme. I The fact that maybe it's on our radars, maybe, you know, we're overreacted to it, but the fact that that deep ball get like broken down from 15 different angles, like the Zapruder film would almost like, it tells us that there's something to worry about, you know, and even if he starts the season, great. I'm not going to be convinced until it's like late November at Heinz field and it's 33 degrees out and he's making throws that he needs to make on time and rather with sufficient velocity. When I see that, my fears will
0: subside. But right now, I'm just a little cautious. Yeah. Speaking of velocity, Washington, obviously, uh, Antonio Gibson, he's great. (laughs) Jarrett Patterson, muscle hamster. Oh, my God. Can't hit what you can't see. That was impressive. Uh, They've got – talk about interesting running back packages with and Patterson and Gibson, who was a receiver in college, kind of um my comp for him was take dk metcalf and put him at running back um with fitzpatrick watching that cincinnati game like what's up with his velocity did i i I, it was like mm, i'm not sure is he just you know throwing underneath but it it, you know like with, with cam and the comfort and how everything was quick or you know um haskins and how everything was slow i think Fitzpatrick looked slower and less willing to just you know zeke that throw in than I thought he might be yeah i and I'm I not saying it's a it's a precursor to some disaster in season. it's just what I observed yeah
1: i mean I, I I'm not as worried about Washington in this list as I am some of these other teams i i, I really like Washington has done on both sides of the ball, and you know this is a team that. Yes, it was seven and nine, but they won the division a year ago. I love what they've done. Defensively. They went seven
0: and nine with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL.
1: Yeah. And so now Fitzpatrick, as high variance as he is, and he might give you that three interception game, he might give you some three touchdown games. Um, you know, it, it's it's a situation where I think Washington is going to be the team to beat, I think, in that division. Now, obviously, Dallas Cowboys fans might get upset. I've got some, some concerns about Dallas. Did they do enough on the defensive side of the ball? Where are we with Dak? I know there's, you know, if it was week one, he'd be playing, but, you know, I don't know. Philadelphia seems a bit away. The Giants, it all comes down to whether Daniel Jones takes a step forward or not, and I'll reconvince that he will. So I think Washington's still at a decent enough position. They gave Tampa Bay everything they had last year in the playoffs. Yep. With, with Taylor Heideke a quarterback?
0: There you go. Um. Yeah, I... We'll see that that's just something to kind of put a pin in. Yeah. With yeah, Dallas, exactly. It's just, it's, if they, I think the defense will be about league average. I have a lot of faith in Dan Quinn. Um, uh, yeah. I look, I
1: think Parsons is going to be great. I think Jabril Cox, who I loved, I think he's right. going to end up being good.
0: I, I think they're be better. Diggs is going to be a breakout guy. Diggs is going to Not be perfect a very for good, good player. He's perfect for what, Diggs and
1: is. you know, we, we talk 11 personnel packages. Huh. Cowboys got a pretty good wide receiver trio, Doug. <laughs> pretty good group there
0: lamb i think he's kind of the next oh my god guy yeah what how did you do that um like beckham was a few years the problem the problem with the cowboys is the drop off is it's it's right down the elevator shaft oh i think ben dinucci just threw another interception right? right right yikes uh dolphins now, week one of the preseason, I'm watching Tua, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, he's getting the hang of this. He's, you know, he's making intermediate and, and deep throws within the timing of the down, of the play. Um, he looked a lot more comfortable. I would say against the Falcons, and Dean Peeves was going to throw a regular season defense at your ass in the preseason. He has said that all along, and I don't care what other teams are doing. I, I need to get my guys ready, so here it comes. I thought he was hesitant on a lot of throws that he could have made. Um, he had a whole shot in the first quarter against zone that, I mean, it was, uh, I think it was, uh, it was just an in cut, like 15 yards downfield. The guy was wide ass open and there was a cow pasture all around him. And it was like, you know, the, the, you are here thing in the, in the yep. shopping mall, your receiver is here and he didn't make the throw. I think he was got sacked on that play. So I'm still seeing some hesitation. Um, I don't have any question about Tua's ability, but that I I was a little more concerned about Tua after that game than I was after week one.
1: I mean, I I, I think that's fair, but I do think that if you look at where Tua even was with some of those up and down moments in week two, he's well ahead of where he was last year. Yeah. And I I think that's the, the more important thing to look at because, you know growth and development not linear for quarterbacks but the trend line is what you really want to look at and you know i did a video on to a um you know we put up on the site um he had that tampa two cover to seam bender to just mike josecki that he threw on time in rhythm with anticipation um nate tice go subscribe to nate substack by the way Um, he mentioned it during the game that, you know, that was a great read. And then Kyle Krabs, who we know and love, Dolphins Wire, Draft Network, he mentioned that, look, this is exactly like a play that he missed last year against Vegas. And I went back and pulled that. And it's the same concept Mike Jusecki covered two; It's wide open and he doesn't throw it and he ends up taking a sack. Mm -hmm. And so you look at that throw or that non-throw to this, and it's signed that, okay, there will be ups and downs. There will be moments like you highlighted so well that – He's got an open shot. He doesn't see it. Doesn't throw it for whatever reason.
0: And maybe he's just a naturally hesitant quarterback, and that's maybe kind of who he's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think
1: overall the trend line is in the right direction. I've gone from like somewhat pessimistic on their quarterback situation to a bit more optimistic. Uh, I do like some signs that we've seen from him. Obviously, we just see it on the field in the regular season. Yeah, but
0: I agree. With, I agree with the improvement idea. Um, I certainly saw that in Week One. I just this was a bit of a regression to last year.
1: And But if he's doing this against a Dean Pease defense, throwing a ton of stuff at him, and he's still making some good throws, makes them with some bad reads, I think that's okay. I I think that's a decent tread line.
0: We have to remember that Dean Pease is the guy who had Lamar Jackson's head exploding in that playoff game. Yeah. So, yeah. Not bad if you can do it. Okay, man. Uh, that is the podcast for this week. I wanted to get into some quarterback situations because next week, of course, we will be talking about. Well, actually, there's a buy, so we can maybe get a little more existential. Uh we'll see philosophical goes. thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Deep thoughts with Mark and Doug. That's, there you go. That's a scary thought. We'll <laughs> just we'll just read Jack Candy the whole time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. All right, man, good stuff, and uh, we'll keep it rolling on Touchdown Wire, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, my friend.